0: Welcome to Commune, a global wellness community and online course platform featuring some of the world's greatest teachers. We are on a mission to inspire, heal, pass down wisdom, and bring the world closer together. This is the Commune podcast, where each week we explore these ideas and practices that help us live healthy, connected, and purpose-filled lives. You can learn about our courses, our community, and everything else we do at one Commune. Now, I have always been interested in the relationship between spirituality and politics. On one hand, the separation of church and state is a core tenet in our society, an idea that is rooted in ensuring religious freedom and also in the repudiation of monarchical Europe. On the other hand, our founding documents are littered with references to the almighty Indeed, our very inalienable rights as citizens, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, are endowed by the Creator, capital C. I have often wondered if this separation has discouraged our government and its officials from embracing the spiritual principles that might lead to a more fair, equal, and compassionate nation. Indeed, the gospel of most major religions share an empathy for the poor, the displaced, and the downtrodden. Now, over the years I've organized a number of events under the moniker Mindful America. I was keenly interested in what policy could look like through a spiritually inspired lens. What would a mindful healthcare policy look like? What would a spiritually informed climate change policy resemble? What would be the planks of a larger mindful platform? For these events, I brought in folks like Congressman and Presidential Candidate Tim Ryan, Citizen Well Founder Carrie Kelly, criminal justice reformer Mike De La Rocha, yoga teacher and activist Sean Korn. But nobody crystallized my understanding of the inner relationship between politics and spirituality more than Marianne Williamson, also a presidential candidate. When I read her Healing the Soul of America, I felt like a much smarter version of myself wrote it. It articulated my thoughts perfectly that like all of us individually, our country also has a divine nature, an infinite soul, based in love and compassion, and that these ideals were memorialized on a parchment in our greatest literary documents, and that our nation's history has been a messy journey to greater align the reality of our human condition with the ideals of this soul. For our 4th of July episode... I try to articulate some of these ideas in a recording that I made early one caffeine-fueled morning. While we enjoy our barbecues and fireworks, what we are really celebrating is the anniversary of a revolutionary document that presents a radical spiritual idea that we are all created equal. I hope you enjoy it. There is much written in personal development about uh, rediscovering our original nature, finding our our infinite soul, going back to that place where there is only love and compassion and empathy. And recently I've started thinking about that um, in a more national and socio-political context um, where, like the individual... Our nation, America, also has an infinite soul, a, an original nature. Um, these were the inspired ideals um, of our founders as they birthed this country, um, inspired by notions of the uh, of the Enlightenment era, and really repudiating um, a caste system in Europe. Um, where for hundreds of years you were either born into serfdom or you were the 0.01% born into the monarchy or the the oligarchy and and there you stayed. And America um was this experiment um in repudiating that system where um where in our founding in our greatest piece of of American literature you have this notion of equality that all men are created equal, endowed by their Creator with certain inalienable rights, amongst them life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Um, in essence, if you were willing to put in a hard day's work, that you and, and your family um, could get ahead. And it's been, you know, the role of government to kind of broker this sort of relationship. Uh, between the common good, between recognizing our common destiny in humanity and the individual freedoms of people to work hard and, and to get ahead. And, you know, what you've seen is what I sort of refer to as kind of this messy history of democracy um, where we've been trying to square these very um, inspired and spiritual, um, spiritually inspired Um, ideals with the reality of the human condition, where you could have equality as the centerpiece of the country and then still um, only recognize African Americans as three-fifths of a person and to have slavery, Um, yet then to have abolition and then to have Jim Crow and then to have Brown versus Board of Ed and desegregation and the Civil Rights Movement and the Voting Rights Act and you know the struggle continues um, today with um, I would say you know a jagged, messy history of self-correction and you know you can also look um, at you know women who were once denied the the right to vote and the right to own property and then of course there was the suffrage movement, and there have been other similar movements um, for gay rights and other minority groups, which essentially, you know, have been these principled fights um, to greater align with our original nature, with our infinite soul, um, to return to that place of love and compassion um, and empathy. And you know, I specifically look kind of at the 30s, um, which was a point at which, you know, America could have essentially imploded and we could have, and capitalism could have essentially kind of gone away. We could have nationalized banks. and But, you know, instead we found um, a new deal. And um, that promised, you know, a chicken in every pot, but more, you know, literally created... Uh, protections for farmers and for uh, unions um, and, you know, established Social Security and, um, you know, established pretty high income tax, marginal rates. Um, But essentially, I think, you know, recognized that as a country, um, we need to provide a safety net to dull the the sharper edges uh, of capitalism, because we recognize that we do have a common destiny, and we do share a common humanity, um, and that out of many, you know, we are one. And you know, coming out of the depression and and the war, we brought, you know, millions and millions of GI GIs back, and and educated them, and um, and you know, there was a middle class that was born. Um, and, you know, with that middle class, there was, you know, significant urban flight. And we moved out into the suburbs and literally built, um, and literally and, and metaphorically, built picket fences around our life. And this was sort of what the beginning of individual materialism that has, you know, characterized the last, you know, 70 years um of american history where we began to separate ourselves you know from each other Um, now in the 60s you know connected to a lot of political upheaval and um, and again sort of the recognition again of the common good of you know if if someone else can't vote then i can't vote or if someone else can't read then that's not good for my family either this idea that we're going to take to the streets and ensure rights for all people um, or to stop a war that was um, unjust. And, you know, during that time, there was a tremendous amount of experimentation around this notion of sort of common living and shared resources, shared duties. The ideas of coming back together, of breaking down those picket fences, and living together, and cooking together, and growing food together, and helping with each other's children, and helping mothers' birth, and our elderly die in dignity um, with family uh, and loved ones. And these were, um, again, sometimes very messy experiments in in sharing and in community. But that wave um, flattened out. And, you know, what you saw then kind of in the 70s and since has been an era of unprecedented individualism and materialism. You know, so much to, you know, the point right now where, again, you have um, pretty much all of the country's wealth Um, concentrated in the top 10% and an ungodly amount, um, a disproportionate amount in the top, you know, 0.01%. And of course, you know, that was the system that our founding fathers tried to upend. Um, You know, we're in a society that's um, not only lacks, you know, kind of social mobility for a lot of people, but also has become so socially polarized where we're sorted and, and, and into our own little bunkers, um, where of, you know, like-minded, um, like-minded folks, and we just hear what we want to hear. And that is, you know, perpetuated through artificial intelligence and, and social media. But there are little hints of once again, I think, connecting around the notion of, of the common good, of, our common humanity and in some ways they're they're commercial um, what we've seen with companies like uber or bird or lyft or airbnb we work we live is um, the kind of proclivities of the millennials to um, to kind of shun kind of personal capitalism now a lot of it is still personally focused um, but more and more there's this notion of like shared resources are okay um they're not just you know better for myself but they're probably better for the environment um and i don't have to own everything in fact i'd rather experience things uh and connect than have the responsibilities of a car or a house um or my own office um etc so i i think there's there's some interesting trends there and then of course um in the last couple of years since uh, the Trump administration when we've seen kind of voices get emboldened where racism and homophobia and anti-immigrant rhetoric um is not just you know asymptomatic it's it's symptomatic and again that has given uh, birth to voices and and action where you know for the first time in generations you've see millions of people mobilizing um, to the streets whether that's for the women's march or march for our lives or the more um, recent um, immigrant march and i think you know for me this gives me a tremendous um, amount of hope and it's very uh, influential right now in and what i do every day and um, how important i i think it is for people to connect in fact i think that um the future of our ability to kind of live on this planet as humans will slowly depend on whether or not we can connect with each other where we can disagree without being disagreeable and that um, the times we can rally around our common humanity and our common destiny. And if we are unable to do that, um, then we'll not be able to solve some of the most salient issues of our time, global warming or income inequality or health care um, so you know this has been such a big part of the inspiration around commune around socializing ideas that are old and true um, to um, to solve some of our problems that are modern but also creating systems for people to connect around shared passions and interests and and not just like-minded people, um, people in other groups, um, and hopefully um, form bonds and find ways to step on that bridge um, and build relationships, even if if, if with people um, in their own in groups and in their out groups. So I am extremely hopeful that this next uh, era of American history can be one that's most closely tied to our infinite soul, to our original nature, to the place of love from which this country was born. Thanks for listening to my rambling soliloquy. It's hard not to be passionate about this topic right now. I know I'd know i love to get your thoughts on the relationship between spirituality and politics or just on the show in general. So feel free to shoot me an email at jeffk at onecommune.com. That's jeffk at onecommune.com. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. I'd really appreciate it. I am Jeff Krasno, and I'll see you next time.